services. And then I had a women's conference yesterday and the day before. So we are back and ready to go. As we get started today, I heard one prayer request already. Your daughter, tell us, tell us your name, her name, Tamara. Taylor, and she has um, some issues with her health, and we're praying that God will bring her through that with healing. Now, who else has a prayer request or praise report? Lester, surgery on a Sunday morning. Wow, okay. Yes. Right. <clears throat> right. Well, and I just ask the Lord to show them because the oldest brother was a Christian missionary and Yes, absolutely. Anyone else? Yes. Okay. Okay. And I saw another hand back here. Yes, Mike. Okay, blood sugar and glucose. Let's pray for the balance in this body. Yes. There you go. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. I love that. Yes, Hank. Yes, okay. Let's pray for some restoration and reconciliation, right? Let's pray for that. Yes. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Yes, ma'am. All right. Okay. Right, right. Yeah. And so we're going to pray that you're right. That's right. That's right. Well, let's pray. Lord, we thank you, Lord God, that you are a healing Savior, Father, and that by your stripes we were healed, Lord. And Father, we right now just re receive. We receive healing, Lord God, in the name of Jesus. We welcome you, Holy Spirit, and ask that you would minister the healing touch of God to bodies. God, we speak to this thyroid, Lord. We speak to this glucose levels in the name of Jesus. We thank you, Lord God, for the testimonies of healings. We pray right now for families, God, for reconciliation and restoration, God, that your love would be poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit, God, that agape, that preferential love, love that prefers the other. Lord, I pray, Father, that you would open my mouth to speak your word, Lord God, and I pray that you would open our ears to hear. Lord, I just... God, submit everything to you and ask, Lord, that your will would be done <clears throat> and that you would receive glory, honor, and praise. Amen. All right. <clears throat> well, 
I was going to teach on Revelation 12 today, but I'm not because I can't. I know, Brian. I can't. And simply the reason you say, well, why can't you? Because the Lord just won't release me to it because I don't feel like I have full understanding. You know, and I've studied it upside, one side and down the other, and I've been all over it, but I still can't settle. And I could come in here and teach you, well, it could be this, and it could be this, and it could be this, and I think it's this, or I could just pick a point and, and just act like that's the one I absolutely believe in. But I, I just, it's not going to be, I'm, I'm still, I'll come back to it. And so I can't leave the idea that I found in Revelation 11 with the power to witness. I just can't leave it behind. The two witnesses that we saw in Revelation 11. If you don't know what I'm talking about, read Revelation 11. They're the two witnesses that we identify just by what they did. I won't go back and read it because we're going to go somewhere else today. Just by what they did is they, one of them, Turned water to blood. Ding, 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 ding. Moses. One of them, or they called fire from heaven. Ding, 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 ding. Elijah. So we're not really that confused. And I know some people, and I used to even think that it was Enoch and Elijah because neither one saw death. But it, Enoch is a very mysterious figure that you have to use anti-biblical, what I mean, apocryphal writings to try and isolate and I, I mean apocryphal other than can you know parts of the bible that are actually considered canon they're historical writings but in order for you to delve into those you have to give them sometimes the same credence as you do scripture which is not a good practice maybe for historical content as far as what the hebrew mind is thinking but not for um, scripture with regard to inspired word of God. They're different. And so I would just say on the witnesses, I'm going to stick with what I find. I can nail it into a scripture and I can nail water into blood in Exodus, right? I can nail fire coming from the mouth. There's several times that Elijah called fire down from heaven. Are y'all aware of that? The one time was on Mount Carmel. That's just the one. Remember when the soldiers are all coming up the hill? And he's calling fire down. I mean, yeah, he's, it's, so he's done this. That, that's, that's iconic. But then what we also see, one of the most significant proof texts, if you will, for Moses and Elijah, the witnesses, in my opinion, is on the Mount of Transfiguration. It's when Jesus goes up the mountain, who appears? He's the candlestick being from Zechariah, and then there... There's the, the two standing beside, as Zechariah said, the Lord of the whole earth. So when you see the mountain of transfiguration, Zechariah's already said that, that this, who are these two candlesticks? Who are these two candlesticks? Who are these two candlesticks? The angel's asking Zechariah that. If an angel asks you a question over and over again, it's because he wants to give you an answer. And so he said, who are these two? And Zechariah's like, I don't know. You obviously want to tell me kind of thing. And he said, these are the two olive branches that are standing beside the Lord of the whole earth. Well, we don't get that vision completed. See, so many times we get real impatient and we start looking right then. The word of God is not like that. Do you realize the serpent on the pole? Y'all know what I'm talking about? 
the serpent on the pole in Moses' day that healed the snake bite, it wasn't until John 3 that it's revealed what it was. Back up a little bit, the serpent on the pole, what became of it? Well, it stuck around in Israel. You know, like, that's a pretty cool little thing. I mean, you don't just throw that away, do you? You build a serpent on a pole, and people look at it, and they're healed of snake bite. And it's kind of like, that's kind of significant. We better tuck that in the temple somewhere. Well, they just kept passing it on from generation to generation to generation to generation, and it shows up again in Hezekiah's day, the king. And in Hezekiah's day, they are worshiping the serpent on the pole. They're bowing down to it. You know what Hezekiah does? He destroys it. So then it's gone, and then we're like, we don't, it was, it happened. And so people, I think it's so much like what we do in our day and age, too. We have, like, moves of God or something happens, you know, extraordinary things, and we assign some sort of a value to it that's completely contrary to what the value it is because we think we know everything. And then we camp out there and try to, and, and we, we start Pro, we're, you know what the most prolific thing in this room is? Our opinions. Absolutely. And so we just, we just start manufacturing opinions, and we find a couple of persons who agree with us, and, you know, that just makes our opinion right. And so, but we don't know. We don't know what it is. And then we see, we see it all the way. Jesus says, just like, you know, we see that he's the serpent on the pole. Unless, and when he said that to Nicodemus, unless I, when I am lifted up, I will draw all men unto me, just like Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness. Oh. Yes. Oh, yeah. Not the God of the event. And he likes to change things up to keep us from doing that. And then, do what? It's on ambulances, and it also... It has way more. It even, the snake on the pole even moved into pagan circles and it went off on a whole branch as itself. But see, then we see that Jesus is the serpent on the pole. Why is he the serpent on the pole? What's, he is the image of Jesus as a snake? What? It's sin. Jesus becomes sin. And when we look at his sacrifice, and it's bronze, it represents judgment. He took our judgment and our sin. Therefore, if sin brings sickness, then when you look to his sacrifice to receive your salvation, what is, oh, you're healed. What are y'all doing being sick? I mean, I don't say that casually, but see, I say the same thing to myself. You know, when sickness tries to come to me, I'm like, what are you doing trying to be sick? Are you a moron? Right, right. But see, what the Lord has showed me is that we don't know how to be healed. We know how to be sick. Let me unpack this. When we were doing, you know, at William Wood, he was talking about the, the percentage, and I told you all this, but I'm going to tell you it again because this is so good to me. And that, you know, we were asking people percentages, and I'm like, is that really, like, cool? 
I was just trying to think about it because in my mind, you know, healing is just, a, and I, I know sometimes it's progressive, but I, I just like to, I just like to ask the Lord about things that I've never heard. I don't just like to, you know, gobble up everything. And so I just asked the Lord, is that, what do you think about that? Is that kind of a trick? Is it, you know, and I'm real like, sometimes I think things are fishy. I know y'all don't. And so I think, and I'm, I'm like this, I'm like, and I, I have, this is sad about me. I have a propensity to doubt. I have a propensity when I do my evidentiary searches, it to be I'm searching for evidence against something, not for it. I know y'all don't do the same thing. We all do. That's why I said that. <laughs> it's how we are, it's how we're, it's how we are turned. Right, right, but, but you know when you have that bent to be suspicious, we call it discernment, but we're just suspicious. We got all these things working, but we spiritualize it in ourselves and we point it out in others. So here we are. And so I asked the Lord about this whole percentage thing, right? And I was like, Lord, I was washing dishes. It's always, you know, Lord, he'll, he can pray anytime. And he speaks to you anytime. So I am, I'm washing dishes, and I'm, I said, Lord, you know, whole percentage thing, what do you think about that? That's what I ask him. What do you think about that? Is that, I mean, it's kind of like, is it hokey? Is it kind of psychosomatic? Is it a little manipulative? He went, well, that's how you get sick, isn't it? I went, what do you mean? He said, well, when you get sick, you don't just say, I'm 100% sick, and you're like up one minute, and you're laying in the bed the next. I said, you're right. This is the conversation I'm having with the Lord. He said, you say, I don't feel well. I feel a little weird. You may have some language for it, but you're saying I'm about 10% sick. And then the next thing you know, you've embraced the 10%. You're walking now. You've come into the door of sickness. And you're going to take the journey all the way to laying flat on your back 100%, Right? So in the same way, see, we all casually, normally, acceptingly, wholly accept it. No one corrects it. We just walk into sickness that way and we go, oh, no, oh, dear. We'll drink some water. We'll get some rest. That's how we talk to each other, right? Well, let's just get some rest. Won't you take it easy as we just let sickness completely wash over you until you're 100% sick. But the Lord said, you don't know how to receive healing. You don't know how to walk in healing because it's not normal for the most people to say, I've prayed for you. Do you feel better? I do feel 10% better. And we go, oh, they're not healed. That's fake. Well, why can't we exploit the 10% better like we exploit the 10% bad? So see, it's not that Healing doesn't come and healing ministries and there's a healing anointing that just takes a person and instantaneously transforms the thyroid and instantaneously removes the sickness and instantaneously the person gets up out of the wheelchair. I'm not negating that and that's the, that's the miracle power we all want to see manifested among us. But we've gotten so far from realizing that by our faith that we have to have the crutches of the 10% better. 
Right, but what happens is, is that as the Spirit of God moves in and we accept 10%, you know what happens? That person, when they declare, it's, it only takes a mustard seed of faith. It, it builds faith. And then everybody around who hears, we're moving in a positive direction. Their faith elevates. And then we're, all we're trying to do is get enough faith together in the room to actually see the full manifestation of the miracle until we can get to the place where we have come back to being a people of faith instead of a handful of cynics who get together to point fingers at one another and to say what they like and what they dislike and to leave out in a huff and go find another church who fits our flavor but instead we need to be a body of Christ who are fitly joined together who are each supplying the other building one another up when's the last time you built up somebody in the body of Christ that you call your home And building one another up instead of you didn't back down to something spoken against him. And somebody might say, well, that's because that's your son. But what if we look to the other in our congregation with the same filial affection as a person looks to their own son? The same intensity that you as a mother or a father right? That you would go to blows to save them. Even, how many of you moms, I'll just talk to moms because they're more fierce than dads sometimes. <laughs> Even if your children are wrong and you know it, you will defend them to all ends. After you get them in the private, you may bust them. Right? You know, but you'll stand up there and you'll defend them against every enemy, every person who talks about them. You know in your mind what you're saying is true, but I'm still going to throat punch you. And then you're going to turn around when you get that kid in private and you're going to throat punch him yourself. Because that is a spirit of protection. That's a godly spirit of protection. Now, throat punching is not godly. I'm not saying that. Yeah, Right. You're, it's, it's protection. But see, that's love. That's the kind of love we should. What if we had that kind of love for one another in the body of Christ? Where we would protect one another with that kind of ferociousness. Yes, ma'am. And refusing. It's not, you're not looking at that. And it's wrong. Instead of on what God says. 
But what if we did that with one another in the body of our brothers and sisters? That's it. And that's what I want to see. That's a church that the gates of hell are not going to prevail against. You know what I mean? We're, it doesn't mean that we're going to agree. Do y'all all agree in your families all the time? How many of you drag your family disagreements out in the street to where and get, bring the neighbors and the and the? You do look at him. He does. See how many right? How many of you know that it's better to keep your family drama behind the doors of your house and protect the reputations of your families? Yeah. Yep, and it was your family. You won't want to feed me in that mode. Right. You won't. Right. Because I'm going to protect it all the way to the final moment. Yeah. And I told her that. I said, so if it happens, you just need to back up mm -hmm. because I'm going to let it happen. See, and that's where we look at, see, and one of the reasons that we take people on mission trips, Tommy, is because part of our mission at this church, it's just not something we put on paper, connecting people to people. And the reason we take missions teams is because there's nothing like a team when they go out on a missions team. They are more connected when they come back, and they will stay connected forever. It just connects you to that person in a way. In ministry, you're connected to people in a way that you're never otherwise connected. I did a women's conference yesterday, and at the end of the conference, there was a, we were ministering in the altar, and I was praying. And my, I mean, we were. All, I mean, it was it was conference. I was the speaker, but there was just so many people to pray for. Just you know. He's praying, the pastor of the church is praying, the pastor's wife. We're all just praying. And at the end, the pastor has got this one woman over there, and she's um, demon-possessed. And she and he is casting. I mean, I'm telling you, I was so. And we stayed there for two hours over, didn't we? Just casting out the spirits that were in this woman. And I was so impressed with this man. But you know what one of the things was that was so, it was so amazing to me as we were down on you know she was in that chair and we were kneeling in the floor around her and she's puking in a trash can demon after demon coming out right as she's doing that and that pastor he's got her he's gonna look at me look at me and we're praying and we're we're speaking and we're, we're declaring and I mean just like she'd say she'd lean back and she'd go okay 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 and that pastor would say look at me in the eyes honey he's call her name look at me in the eyes and he'd get her eyes, and it'd be her eyes for a second, and then you'd see a demon. He'd say, nope, you're coming out too. And then she would just like contort, and she would go, and she would then lean over and throw up in the trash can again. And my, my thought was this while we were there. Not, this is weird, this is crazy, none of that. My thought was, <laughs> we got one. It, yeah, I know. We got, well, we went and got a trade in either, but they went and found one. That wasn't my thought, but here was my, that's a good one. Here was my thought. I thought, my thought was, a brother is born in adversity. And the pastor and his wife, we knew them casually. By the time we left, we were family. Was that not right, Mike? We were hugging, I love you, come, we've got to get together. I mean, it was like, before there's like this stuffiness between you, you know, you're professionals, you're, you like each other, you're, you're cordial with one. You know how it is when someone, you're shaking hands and going, good to see you, is it a bless you, we'll see you, take care. But when we left, 
his family with all the people that were there with us doing this. It was like we had just been brought into a family. And I felt it. It was weird how I felt that and I took note of it. In the moment, that's what we're casting out devils and that's what the Holy Spirit's teaching me is about connecting people in the body of Christ. And that people are connected around Holy Spirit ministry. That's the reality. How do you bring unity in the body of Christ? Holy Spirit ministry. And so we see that that's often happens in the demonic. But, but my point is, is that when you're in, a, and it doesn't have to be the demonic, it could be anything. When we're on a mission trip, when we're playing with kids in the street, when you're, see, if you don't feel connected in the body, many times it's because you're antithetical. I know, I, I chose that word because I, I, I didn't want everybody to know what it meant. You know, when I'm going to say something that's going to be hard, I like to use a big word, and maybe it'll just go over a few people's heads. No, because when you, it's because when you don't feel connected in a body, it's because you're not willing to let the Holy Spirit move through you. Antithetical to the Holy Spirit. A word nerd over here. <laughs> right. So we become a critiquer and a critic instead of a joint to connect and supply. And, and I'm telling you, there's no other. I can't, I can't teach it any other way, and I can't give y'all any alternative means. And that's why we can't relegate the Holy Spirit to a back room or put some sort of constraints on how we say he moves and he doesn't move based on what we think, because what it will happen, what will happen, now, does that mean that we're going to let anything go? No, no, we're going to pastor. But here, here's the reality is, we don't have a church without the Holy Spirit moving. And if there's any person I am unwilling to offend, it's not you. I'll offend y'all all day long. But I won't offend the Holy Spirit. Your opinion of me is important. But it's not the most important. I can forego your opinion. But I won't forego his. Good. Preach it, Tommy. Prayer. 85% of the people that were with us Prayer meeting on s- Saturday morning, we were in unity on one accord on praying together. Yeah. And there so, you go. And I kept asking Scott. He said, I need more of that. So he kept saying, I need more of that. Saturday huh? morning unity prayer is critical for the church to go I like it when other people say things I want them to say. And I don't, they just get, you know, like you hear your parents' voice all the time. Yeah. You know, it's just a nag. Other people say it. It like sounds like, oh, that's good. 
So anyway, <clears throat> so here's the deal today. We are made to house the holy and to co-op heaven. House the holy and co-op heaven. We are made to house the holy and to co-op heaven. Now, what does that mean? That's, keep on, because that's what I want. That is the only thing I can get to, and I can't move from this spot until I feel like I have delivered the message. And sometimes I have to preach it for six months to get everybody here. You know what I'm saying? And I'm not, I'm not speaking against you. I'm just saying that's why sometimes we have to stay on the same thing because there's, i got to get enough ears to hear. And sometimes I have to say it six times before the ears that are hearing actually start hearing. So the message, sometimes I just have to keep drilling and drilling. I can't move from it until the Lord says you've actually said it. Well, we're fixing to talk about it. We're fixing to talk about it. That's, so we are. So the, the, the Lord's Prayer, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done. On earth as it is in heaven. Where, 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 oh where, please somebody tell me where. Where is the place on earth? where the kingdom of God is going to enter. There you go. Lift up your heads. Oh, you gates, lift them up, you ancient doors, that the king of glory may come in. This is not the brick and mortar of this building. Though this house has been dedicated, it's brick and it's mortar and it's timber and it's shingles and it's metal and everything that comprises this house has been dedicated to the Lord. But the Lord is not looking for a house of stone. He's looking for the people of God. And you will have a hard time being isolatory from the local assembly and being used of God. I'm not saying it's impossible. I'm telling you it's improbable. Because let's say you don't go to church. I don't believe in organized religion. You're backslidden. Face it. It just puts it, we can put a fine point on it, can't we? So we, we say this, people say, I'm not, I, they, what it is. Okay, okay, okay. I don't believe in organized religion. Translation, I've been hurt in the church. Okay, that's well and good. But you've been hurt in other places too, and you can find your way back there. You have had doctors misdiagnose you, but yet you still run back. Use the same judgment in one zone that you do in the other, so at least you're not a hypocrite in your own life. Yes. Absolutely. Sure. Yes. About the... It's his design. It's his design. So why do we want to debunk the design that's going to be the best to bring you the health and the move of God? 
Right. So we must be present to win. So what we look at here is that here's the reality. We are made to house the holy and to co-op heaven. There is purpose to witness. Our purpose is to witness. What is that scripture, someone? Prove that to me scripturally, please. Our purpose is to witness. Say it. Go, good job. Go into all the earth and preach the gospel to every creature, teaching them to obey. Baptizing, I put it all in effort order, but that's okay. Baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Matthew 28, another place. Mark 2, I think. So we have that. We have the power to witness. That's to give testimony. How do you witness? You give testimony. How do you give testimony? Just you don't have to be a great theologian. All you have to be able to do is tell them how the Lord changed your life and give enough evidentiary quality of the of quantity of the it has to be in your life. I'll tell you what, God is so good. His mercy endures forever. I just, I just love the Lord. He's just right here. If I have to hear a drunk testify of the Lord one more time, you're like, well, that's, all those things he's saying is true. But nobody takes him seriously. Because the victory he's claiming, he's not living, so it's shallow. I'm not saying you can't see. That's what we look for. I don't care. I, you can argue with me on this, but you're wrong. You're wrong. You're, I'm going to finish, y'all. Don't raise your hand. I'm going to tell you. I am looking for a people. You can say it by faith and say it's real in heaven, but baby, it's not real on earth. And until you can get something in your manifested life that convinces me you were once one way and now you're another, then nobody's listening to that crap. I don't care. And I'm tired of people proliferating a grace, so-called grace, that somehow makes God blind to sin as you enjoy it. It's wrong. And I will tell you this, grace is the power to help. What does that mean? Grace gives you the ability to do hard things like what? Quit sleeping around with men that are not your husband. Grace gives you the ability to do hard things like what? Control your forked tongue. Grace gives you the ability to do hard things like what? Obey the Lord and show it by obey, loving others and Him. See, this is, what I'm, this is the grace that I'm looking for. Whenever... I had a cousin who got saved, and she was a hellion. That girl was a hellion, and she knew it, and she liked it. I mean, she's, I come from a fam. Guys, y'all don't understand. I come from a family of partiers. Am I telling the truth, Mike? 
my family, when they showed up to the bar, they were the life of the party. They were the karaoke singers. They're the dancers on the table. They're the, I mean, they're the partiers in the room. They are going to have all the attention on them. I mean, all. My cousin, she was a, she'd go and she would dance and she would, I mean, she was a drunk and she was a slut. Just all these things. Her and her husband, you know, you're my husband. If you can't be with the one you love. You know, and so I was pregnant with Lainey, and I'd come back to the Lord, and we were in the church, and my granny gave me an assignment. She said, Andrea, you need to hang around Courtney and be an influence on her. Okay. So I hung out with her. She's my first cousin. I hung out with her every day. She came to my house every day. We'd go places, man. We'd go to, let's go to Wichita. She's crazy. Let's go to Wichita today on the road. Somebody try to just cut her off a little too quick. Man, we were running off the road. I'm pregnant going, Jesus, help me. She's cussing and yelling and screaming. She's a nut. Everybody knows she's a nut. Right? Crazy. And so she goes, I'm, 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 the, I'm the impact. What are you doing? I'm just being there. So I don't, I'm not preaching to her. I live it differently. My life is different. I don't, when she cusses, I don't cuss. When she's talking about her bar tracks, you know, I'm not going to bars with her. I'm not, you know, I'm not, you know. Andrea, I know you're different. You don't do this. Yeah, okay, okay, Courtney. On a Sunday morning, she comes to church. Preacher preaches. I remember the dress she was wearing. She's cute. That's another thing about my family. They, they pride themselves on being cute. She's cute. High heels, little size two. I mean, she was cute. Oh, yeah, just, yeah. Yeah, little bitty thing, and she'd get, she was there to do one thing. Of course. That's what you do. And so she was there. That preacher gave the altar call, and God got hold of her. That little green silk dress she had on, she came stumbling out of that aisle. She came stumbling out. She's stumbling. Hit the aisle trying to make it to the altar. By the time she got to the altar, she couldn't even stand up. She was falling forward, backwards. She was rocking and rolling. And that pastor was like, what do you want to do? She said, I want to give my heart to the Lord. Screamed it out. And by the time he didn't even touch her, she fell on the floor, screamed and rolled around speaking in tongues. She got up. Everybody in town. I worked with a girl at the office. She said, hey, Andrea, you go to lunch today? I said, yeah, I want to go. Yeah, let's go. Pizza Hut. She wasn't a Christian either. Well, she's a Catholic, but she didn't know anything about it. She was Catholic. I mean, she just didn't have, she, wasn't, she was a name only. You know what I'm talking about? It was a Catholic. And so she, we, went to, we went to a Pizza Hut, and she said, okay, Andrea. This is why she brought me there. She said, I got to know something. What? She looked around. She went, what has happened to Courtney? I said, what do, you, what do you mean, Lori? You know what I mean. I mean, she was one way, and now she's another. 
and I want to know what happened to her. See, the testimony is in the credibility of the witness. You can witness all day long, but if you don't have a life that is credible, ain't nobody listening. <laughs> That's true. Fess up. Oh, good. I see what you're saying there. Confess up. Come up to a standard, the standard of righteousness. There's nothing elevated in that witness is what you're saying. There's nothing credible. There's nothing to place anything in. Now, you say, well, this is works, Andrea. It's not works. It's, it is works. It's the work of the Holy Ghost. What is the testimony of a teenage girl who's cutting and she's trying to teach others not to cut when she herself goes, you were made for better than this. You don't, we can commiserate, but you can't lift me up. And there may be something good in that. There may be, but it's not transformational. And here's the thing. We not only have the power to witness or the purpose to witness, because we have the purpose to witness. God's already told you. Jesus said, go and do. So many people are like, if the Lord tells me to go on a missions trip, I'll go. Have you ever read the Bible? Go. It's a green light. It hasn't turned red. Go. I mean, you're, it's going to be good. Go. Go. So the power, I don't know if the Lord wants me to give the missions. Go. I mean, it's, it's right there. The purpose is to witness. There is also a power to witness. All of you non-Holy Ghost, tongue-talking people. Jesus said, are you saying Billy Graham? Uh, there's rumors that Billy Graham was a tongue-talker, by the way. But... Gee, I just don't want, I'm in no position to argue with Jesus. Maybe you are. He said, go, and, but first, wait. I'm getting, I'm getting mixed signals, Lord. Go, but wait. Go, but first, Wait. In Jerusalem, until you are endued with power from on high. Power to witness. And you shall be my witnesses into Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost part of the earth. You have got to have the power to witness to be an effective witness. But So he goes from go and tell... Right? I like it. I like when I, I'm clever. The Holy Spirit's clever. Right here. He goes from go and tell to show and tell. So he says, heal the sick, raise the dead, cast out lepers, cast out, cast them out, heal the lepers, right? What else? Do all those good things. And, and then 
the kingdom of God and tell them the kingdom of God is in your midst. Do the signs of the kingdom because the kingdom of God is in your midst. I have become so convinced today because the Holy Spirit is leading me this way and he just won't, he just shows it to me everywhere I'm at. Lord, why don't we have the degree of the signs, signs and wonders should be working in your life. And in your life, and in your life, and years, 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 signs and wonders working in and through your life in a magnitude that we should not be able to comprehend or explain. So, but we don't see that. We see it in measure. I'm not saying it's not. It's vacant. We've had healings in this church, and I believe we're breaking in. We are breaking in to the imaginations of the people's lives in here that they can start to expect it because you've got to expect something most often before you experience it. Not all the time, but it's a, it's a principle, not a law. So there's power to witness. We wait. Here's what Paul said in Rome. He wasn't in the upper room. Do you all know that? Paul was not in the upper room. He was a next-generation Pentecostal. Many people think that the gifts of the Spirit died with the last apostle. They're called cessationists. That, to me, is ridiculous. I mean, so what we do in order, in order to hold to a cessationist belief, many people attribute the Healings, the miracles, the demonstration of power that go on in a Pentecostal church to what? The works of the devil. Guys, they did the same thing to Jesus. He casts out spirits by the devil. This is not new stuff. I have heard it. When I met Mike, I was going to Assembly of God Church. That's where my family had migrated to. And Mike was raised in a denomination that was called a Bible Baptist. I mean, they are fundamental Baptists. They're the only ones going to heaven full stop. So Mike said, he was a heathen. He just affiliated with that church. He was more heathen than anything. He said, you know, I went to church on a, he was in college. And so when he was in town, I would go to church. And then we would leave church with my family and while we left out of Highway 59, where my, where the place where my son's a youth pastor now, I was in the back seat changing my clothes, putting on clothes, because then they were going to drop me off at Mike's house. And they dropped me off at Mike's house. I'm 15. And then we would hang out, play basketball, do whatever, and then he would leave and go back to college. He was a weirdo, wasn't he? 15-year-old girl. So anyway, he's not here to defend himself. So then finally, he said, so... Uh, are you going to invite me to church or what? Yeah. I was like, well, I didn't know you wanted to go. He's like, well, yeah, you go all the time. Why wouldn't I want to go? He said, where do you go to church? I said, Lighthouse Assembly of God. He went, oh. He was taught his whole life that they were demon-possessed. But... He didn't see enough of the reality of the power of God in his own church to see that they had enough. So he's like, I'm, I'm game. Let's go. 
let's go. I want to go. I said, you want to go? He went, absolutely. Next Sunday, he took out his earring. He, he's always been very respectful of the house of God. He didn't think he could go to the house of God with an earring in his ear. <laughs> took his earring out. That's just the way he was. It's, it's just, you know, he, he shaved his head in a mohawk one time and would not go back to church till the mohawk grew out. It's just who he is. That's right, yeah. So <clears throat> he, he took the earring out and he went to church. He's in there. Song service. This woman by the name of Sister Jessie. Jessie Pipkin. She stood up. She gave a message in tongues. And she interpreted. And Mike went, God is in this place. Because he knew that the power of the Holy Spirit was real in the house. And so just the demonstration of the Holy Spirit was a witnessing power. And if it had not been for that Assembly of God church who operated in the gifts of the Spirit on a Sunday morning when we let all of their crazy hang out for the, you know, possibly scare the straights, so to speak. If it hadn't been for that, I dare say that Mike Sanders and Andrea Sanders wouldn't be your pastors today. See, that was a part of the witness. And we have a responsibility in our life to be the most effective witness that we can be. And if the Lord said, I need the baptism of the Holy Spirit, then I need the baptism in the Holy Spirit. Paul, the second generation Pentecostal, said this, by the power of signs and wonders and by the power of the Spirit of God, so from Jerusalem all the way around to, he said that, Illicum, I don't know how to say that. It's some, other, it's some other way to say it. I can't ever say that word. Anyway, another town. I have fully proclaimed the gospel of Christ. How, what is the definition? He just defined it. How, what is the definition of fully proclaiming the gospel of Christ? Power of signs, wonders, and the power of the Spirit of God. From Jerusalem all the way out, I have fully proclaimed the gospel of Christ. See, go and tell. After the power of the Holy Spirit turned into show and tell. That's it. All the fruit, the power, and the fruit of God. The fruit of God. There is its righteousness. There's no, the kingdom of God is not, with, is, not with, is not in meat and drink. In other words, meat and drink, what does that mean? That's, it's not in obeying the law. See, the law had rules regarding dietary, meat and drink. It's not in meat and drink. That's what it's talking about. The, the kingdom of God is not in meat and drink, in obeying a set of laws and duties. The kingdom of God <clears throat> is righteousness. See, we won't talk about whether or not you've got to be right. Oh, we don't have to. It's not about moral righteousness. You will be morally righteous. But I'm telling you, there are atheists who are more morally righteous than some Christians. Moral righteousness is not what we're achieving. Civil, be civilly righteous, you know, having good manners. Be, submit to your government, pay your taxes, obey speeding laws. I'm talking to myself now, that's why Mike doesn't let me drive, I've just sinned too much. I mean, obey the laws of the land. Submit to your governing authorities, right? But that's not going to get you to heaven. 
because that's not the kind of righteousness that the Spirit of God is going to trying to produce in our life. <clears throat> I mean, do those things. The righteousness, because even if you're the very best moral person on this planet, you still are not as righteous as you need to be to stand before God. Because the righteousness that He gives us is His very own righteousness. <clears throat> and don't, I do not want to wear or claim His righteousness. And in any way, grieve His Holy Spirit. You're like, Andrew, you think you're perfect? No. <clears throat> but I wear my witness with the preciousness that it deserves. <clears throat> but righteousness always. Absolutely. So we look at this and we have, to, we have to not take this spirit of the world, <clears throat> the flesh. The flesh is your edemic nature. Here is, here's a little piece of theology for you. Now this is attached to Romans 5 and we'll get into it in depth more. You can read Romans 5 in the meantime. When God judiciously, the word is forensically, looks at this planet. Now, you may say, those are big words, Andrew. Let, let me unpack that. It's, it's super easy. A forensic decision is a decision that comes down from a highest court possible. You know what I'm saying? It's forensic, a forensic decision. That's what I know you're thinking forensic science and all this, and, but in, in, the, in the judicial language, something is forensic. It's like when the judge makes a ruling, shapoom, it's done. So much so, you can't, once you're found innocent for a, something, you can't have what they call, y'all know, because it's a forensic decision. So in God is the judge of the whole universe, right? All man's judges are just, just sort of, you know, quasi-representatives of what they should be, but they're often not, right? They're, they're, they're just sort of vague mirrors of what God is. And so when God looks at humanity, according, this is according to the Bible. It says in Romans 5 that all men died in Adam. And therefore, in Christ, all humanity can be raised. So when God looks... At the world, he only sees two different people. He either sees you in Adam or he sees you in Christ. Here is my big caveat. Many people, and I, I, try, to, I try not to blur these lines, I struggle with these concepts all the time. Many people have tried to procure a life in Christ through religious knowledge. You've gone to church, you've heard it, you know how to get out. You don't want to go to hell, who does, right? You don't want to be a part of the hell crowd. 
So you've heard about the things of Christ through religious training. And you've got some intellectual knowledge in your, in your self. But the Bible clearly states that unless a person takes up their cross, another thing, unless a person lays down their life, unless a person dies to self, you are still in Adam. You got to be, there's only one way into Christ. And you, through the birth canal of Christ, is really the death canal of self. You got to die. What does that mean? What does that mean, I got to die? That means your opinions. You got you to, that man, I mean, you'll know how dead you are. Somebody, I, you know what, I, I'm the, this is what I realize about myself. I am a person who hates injustice, most of all against me. <laughs> Don't we all? Yeah. And it makes you mad, right? And then you find out how much that old man wants to get back up. And I just have to say, no, you're, and I'm, I've, I've committed to the Lord. Even today, I want, I'm, I'm dead. I'm dead. I want you all to come up to me and start trying to offend me. Just to practice it, but be careful, I might not be completely dead. <laughs> now, you know what I'm saying, though, don't you? We are, but rendering that in our mind, in a place of surrender, of totally surrendering. And I'm telling you, when we get to that place, the fruit of righteousness just starts popping out all over the place because it's the hindrance of the flesh that forbids the fruit of righteousness. And I promise you that if we had a good old dose of the Holy Ghost, we would go a lot further in our witness, in our joy, in our, in our presence, presentation if we were all people who said Lord I don't want to argue about how the Holy Spirit moves God just move on me God just move on me God use me any way you want to I don't care how stupid I look I don't care what you think or you think or you think or you think I just want to be used by God I just want to see a revival I just want to see people saved and transformed and healed and if you can get excited going to a basketball game, you can surely get excited in church because there ain't nothing about those seven-foot-tall giants out there doing nothing. They're only one foot from the hoop. Yeah, they make it. You want to watch real basketball? Watch high school girls. They don't make nothing. They just do it because they love it. And you can get excited... You need to ask yourself why God's not exciting to you. Start there and let's move on. Thank you so much for listening today.
I know because I'm in the same denomination in that there is there was a there was a peer pressure to relegate the Holy Spirit to some backwoods to the one corner so that it can so our churches could get bigger. It's not gonna work. I'll be unpopular. Hey, but I'll be powerful. Thank you. Have you ever read much of Henry Wadsworth Longfellow? There's there's so many where he where he uh, characterizes the theology of the Indian. Yeah. I'm very not. much follows the Bible. I will um uh, I'll have to put it in so I don't forget it. But, but anyway, uh, towards the end of the deal, Hiawatha's wife, her name was Minnehaha, and I said uh-huh. that and she yeah. got, she died. Uh-huh. She died in a very cold winter when they just and he said that the spirit of fever mm. came and laid his head. <laughs> 